Okay. And then uh, I'm going to do the intro now, and, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Of the Comics, By the Comics, For the Comics. I'm Pat Schreuer, your host. Very excited about today's episode. We have Michael Yo and Jackie Fabulous, uh, two of my favorite comedians, uh, both of whom have been on uh, America's Got Talent. And so uh, for those of you who are first-time listeners, this is a show, uh, one, for comedians to just learn more about other comedians and, and things that have happened along their career. And for anyone uh, not in comedy, just have a general interest in comedy, kind of appeal behind the curtain to see what goes into everything that you see that uh, is apparently just a lot of people like to think, oh, this is they just get up and tell jokes, but there's a lot more to it. And so that's what we're going to do today. And uh, let's let's get started. So, uh, Jackie, uh, for those of you who don't know you, uh, why don't you tell us about yourself, just uh, who you are as a comedian and kind of uh, and let's just start there. Who am I as a comedian? Well, I like to um, do it in several languages. <laughs> And no, I'm kidding. Um, who am I? I? I think I'm accidental. I uh, I'm I'm I come from that background of immigrant parents where they just want you to get a job, go to school, get all the degrees, and get a job, and then get a husband, have a family, have some kids, a bird, maybe some cats, some fish, <laughs> and then die quietly, as you know. And um. <laughs> I did everything up until age 35. Where I'm like, I did everything they told me to do. So now I want to do what I want to do. So I just started stand up for fun after work, going to open mics, no career goals, just for fun. And the more I did it, the more I took it more seriously because everyone around me kept saying, this is uh, what you should be doing for a living. And um, that came from my bosses. So that's how you know. <laughs> <laughs> Was, was it a series of events? Jackie, at age 35, you said that was the turning point. Was it a series of events or what happened at age 35 that made you No, 35 is the age I give credit for when I gave myself the title of comedian. Yeah. 30, before that, I was taking a, a comedy writing class with Judy Carter. And the end result of six weeks of the writing class was the first show, one show at the Hollywood Improv. And after that, I kept doing it after work for until 2010. And but the, I gave myself the title of comedian when I turned thirty-five, and I but I wasn't doing it full time until until uh, two thousand ten. I started in two thousand six, two thousand five, and after all the jobs, and when two thousand ten, my final job was like, you we know you don't want to be here, and I'm like, you are so deserving. <laughs> <servant." laughs> <laughs> all right, well, terrific. Uh, now, uh, Michael, how about you, buddy? Who are you as a comedian? Yeah, I'm um, a storyteller. I love telling stories. Um, like, I, I listen to some great comedians that are like those one-liner comedians that are really quick. And I admire that, but that's exhausting to me. Like, there's no way I could do that. I want to sit down and tell a 20-minute story and make you laugh, you know? So I'm a storyteller. I talk about my family. I talk about my parents. They're immigrants as well. Well, my mom is an immigrant. So my show is heavy based on my family and my family now married with two kids. And Joe Coy was my mentor. So it's kind of like, you know, what he presents on stage is kind of like what I picked up. And that's the, type, that's the type of vibe I have on stage too. You know, fun, energetic. But yeah, you know, we can get down to some serious stories. As I grow, I'm finding my voice even more. And now I'm starting to hit some more serious topics. So I'm excited about the growth. Yeah. So what, so what is the story of you, like, becoming a comedian? Well, I was in a great job. Uh, I was um, 
uh, a host on entertainment news. And then I was on Chelsea Lately. And on Chelsea Lately, I was a news reporter, but I was surrounded by great comedians all the time. You had Bobby Lee, you had Joe Coy, you had Josh Wolf, just the whole writing staff, Fortune Themester. And so just hanging around them one day, I said, I'm going to try stand-up. And I tried it in Miami. I had a big radio show out in Miami. And I tried, tried it at the Miami Improv for my first time. And, you know, and it, and it went great. I did a lot of crowd work. I stayed up there 15 minutes. And that was my first time on stage. And I met some great friends who, that are still my friends today. So it was fun. You know, it, it was, um, that's how I kind of backed into it. Uh, and then once you back in, though, Chelsea gave me the best piece of advice. Don't be that comic that's on TV and not good. You know, you don't want to be, that, you don't want to be that dude. You do not want to be that dude. So she said, just do the work. Make sure they see your face three, four times a week at the comedy store, Lab factory, improv, and make sure you're really working on the craft. Don't be that guy that's on TV. That sucks. Cause Jackie knows we've seen those people, probably YouTube Pat. We've seen those people and it's just, you know, they don't put the work into it. And I love comedy. Like that's, that's why I invested it. Yeah, well, that's uh, you guys have both been on TV, and that's what I thought you would be terrific guests because America's Got Talent is obviously a huge show, and uh, it catapults a lot of people uh, in their careers. And so I thought it would be fun to kind of hear both your stories today about what were the series of events that led up to you guys being on America's Got Talent, uh, and then kind of go from there. And uh, whoever wants to start sounds well, good to me. My story is going to be a lot shorter than Jackie's because she went further than me in the show. She <laughs> means what led you up to the actual oh. first time. <laughs> oh, what led me? Oh, okay. Do you want to go first, Jackie? I was going to say, uh, regarding what you said, don't be that guy on TV that's not good. It reminded me a few nights ago, Ray Romano went up at the cellar and, you know, he had paper with him. He was nervous. And when I tell you he was 19 minutes of just amazingness and the, the, the comics were like, God damn, he really is. He really is good. Like you forget, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So um, what led me getting to America's Got Talent? I never watched a show before I got on it because I was one of those that um, reality shows. I'm like, unless it was a contest. Because after doing Last Comic Standing, I had told the whole world I will never do another comedy contest again. I'm like that. That show left me left me needing therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then I'm like, but when I got approached to do America's Got Talent, I I got invited to audition for the producers, and I did privately. And I I think I was horrible because I didn't care. I didn't want to be there, and I could tell they were just watching, and it was over. I didn't hear anything else. The next year, I knew someone who worked for the show, and I'm like, I think I'm ready to come back. And she was like, you sure? I said, yeah, I feel like if I audition now, I don't have to try too hard because I'm on stage every night anyway. So I, they told me, okay, well, then come do the show. They, they skipped the whole audition and checking me out first. They were like, just come do it. So they watched my set, the video I gave from an old set, and next thing you know, I was on television. So it was just from... Can I do the show? So, yeah, come do it live for the first time in front of the, in front of the whole world. So, <laughs> I guess they were like, you want to be cocky? All right, come do it. Let's see it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then, Michael, what about you? Well, my, my way was, you know, I was still on television and entertainment news reporting. I was doing Hermosa Beach and um, Comedy and Magic. And I saw a little ad before you went on stage. It said, if you want to audition yeah. for America's Got Talent, right before you walked up stage, 
walked on stage and I was like, you know what? I've interviewed everybody from this show, from Simon Cow to Howie to Heidi Klum, everybody. And I was like, you know what? I saw what it did for Preacher. I saw what it did with Jackie. I saw what it did for a bunch of different people. So I was like, look, I'm trying to move out of entertainment hosting and I want to be a full-time comedian and that's it. Comedian, actor, that's it. And to help me make this move, I need to get on the biggest talent show in the world. So to show that I'm a comedian. So I went on and that's, that's what got me there. I, I, I did an audition with Nyla. It went great. They put me right in. Uh, and I was in the show like really quick. And, you know, I know we're going to get to it, but there was a lot of missteps. There was a lot of things I didn't do that I wish I did. But I, I you know, this, if somebody wants to be on AGT, this is going to be a good podcast to listen to. Yeah. What are well? That's called the- a tease. That's <laughs> called a tease right there. <laughs> uh, well, let's do it right now. What were the missteps? Well, I think my missteps were I got COVID. That was one. <laughs> 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 I almost died. That was one misstep. But I got past the first round east with no crowd, and we didn't have an audience, so it was a lot different experience. Like we were just performing for the four judges, and in comedy, you kind of you know you need an audience there. But it was fine. The second time I went on. AGT, I had two sets I was supposed to do on TV, but NBC came back and said they didn't approve them. And I don't want to go into that. That's a whole nother story. And But the main producer of the show was like, no, you need to fight NBC on your first set. This set will get you to the next. Like, literally, it's like, it was my Blasian set where I talked about being Blasian. At the time, they didn't, NBC didn't want that because there was a lot of racial stuff on TV. They didn't want to get it. I, I would imagine, I'm guessing here, they didn't want to get in trouble for it if I said something that offended somebody or whatever. But I kept saying, this is who I am. These stories really happen. Like everybody says uh, it could be stereotypical, but it's not stereotypical if it actually happened to you. Yeah. It's your reality. Yeah. So the executive producer was like, no, we're going to go back and fight NBC on this. And me being a little little punk I am, was like, no, no, I don't want to make NBC mad at me. You know, I don't want to mess up future business. No, I'm good. I'm good. And I learned in that moment, when somebody wants to fight for you and you're not even fighting for yourself, I deserve to get kicked off that. Like that was a lesson where they were fighting for me to move on in the competition, but I was willing to accept whatever whatever set they gave me which came out to be my third or fourth set I came up with. And uh, I couldn't remember it at all. But because of COVID, I, like, I just got my x-ray yesterday and I'm finally clear of liquid in my lungs. Like it took 14 months and I couldn't remember anything for like two or three months after COVID. So I remember they made me do these new jokes that I just couldn't remember. And you know, it, it didn't go well after that. But Blasian and my other stuff that I did all the time, I knew. So I would say, if you're on that show, the producers want everyone to win. I really feel that. They, they're the most amazing staff I've ever worked with in my life. And they really want you to win. And they're giving you the best advice. And I went in there, I'm not going to lie, kind of cocky. I was like, I already got my four sets. I know how it's going to lay out. I didn't know I was going to get COVID, but I'm going to do this set. I'm going to do this set. I'm going to do this set. And then in my special blazer, I got this huge slideshow. Because no comic's ever done slides with comedy. And I was going to win the whole thing. I already saw it. I was like, I'm going to win with the slideshow. But the producers kept saying, no, do the slideshow in the second round. 
Because if you don't move on, they've seen your best stuff. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to get to the end. I'm going to get to the end. You know, so my cockiness with COVID, it did not go well. And I didn't listen to the producers when I, I should have fought for the bit they really wanted. But when it comes down to it, it's your choice, you know, in the show. But I guarantee, I really feel if I would have did what they said, do my slideshow bit the second round, I would have moved on to the next round easily. But, you know, I didn't listen. So yeah. that, that, that's my thing. That's my thing is you really got to be looking. I've been in TV for 12, 13 years. I know how it works, especially on the reality side. And you really have to listen to people that have been there on that show specifically, because when they hint at you doing something, that's, that's not a hint. That's like, oh, no, you need to do this, yeah. you know, because they know what works. Yeah. Like uh, like in school, when the teacher would have the test review and they say, study these questions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Study uh, four, five and six. Leave one, two and three alone. All right. Yeah. yeah. And also to provide context for people. You had COVID before people really knew what COVID was. Right. Oh, at yeah. The start. I scared the hell out of everybody on set. Once they shot <laughs> yeah. the show in two weeks later, I had it. Oh, my goodness. Terry Crews was like, man. Everybody was freaking out. <laughs> I had the whole place freaking out, man. I had the whole place freaking out. But I made it, man. I made it, so here we are. Oh, uh, now, so, uh, Michael, you're sharing that. Now, Jackie, you're saying you went in of like, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. And sometimes there's a lot of stories where people, like, the moment you don't care in comedy are when things start to happen, would you say that's accurate, Jackie, about your experience when you going into it? And did that change for you during your process of going through the show? I, <clears throat> because once I researched the show and look back on who's done it and how long it's been on and realized that literally everyone on earth may see it. I, uh, I, I, I use that motivation to make me relax I didn't make, here's what was funny about AGT. When I went in to do the sets, I just add, added it to my itinerary. I didn't make it like, okay, today's AGT. I just made it, I, I'm going to do AGT. I'll be there for God knows how long. But I also have a set afterwards. So I made it part of my life. I didn't make it standalone because I, because it was so big. It's just, the show is big enough to make any performer gag and faint <laughs> upon their name being announced. And if you think about that, It'll anytime I've performed on television, I've always had to be like, forget that it's on TV, entertain people that who are in the room. And that's usually how I can say I have successfully whenever I've had to do a set on TV that really had to matter. It would always turn out well, because I'm like, just make it an improv set. Just make it a set here. Just pretend you're at a club. Forget that everyone at home can see you. And that's usually when. Big shows like contests or big shows, late night appearances, that, that's when they go better when you're like, just have fun. If you make it huge, you're going to you're gonna stutter, you're going to stumble. And with these short sets, there's no time to stutter. There's no time to, <laughs> you can't even inhale too hard. You got to really have the words out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jackie, so that's right. The preparing mentally for it's so important. When you walked out on the stage, did that, did you stay strong with that? That's that is usually when I am the least nervous. Usually once they say my full name and they've released me and if I have a microphone in my hand, usually the, I have no nerves. All the nerves are in my sleeping the night before, getting up that morning, 
sitting in the makeup chair, uh, 11 producers or directors or PAs in my face, in my all that is where the nerves are. But once I'm standing behind whatever wall or curtain and the director is like, okay, when we call you, that's usually when I calm down. I'm like, once that happens, first of all, if you're going to bomb, it's too late. <laughs> you're either going to kill or you're going to bomb. And I've, you know, with the, probably by now, the thousands of hours of preparation that I've had, it makes it easier for things that huge. Like I would tell any comedian, stay on stage. If, whether or not you even have a set, and I shouldn't say that, but if you know that you're going to be a comic pro, just always get on stage. That way, when you get a call or an email saying, hey, we have this coming up, you don't got to be like, oh, God, now I got to write the set and find a room. If you never stay off the stage, all these opportunities don't seem as big because you're always ready. Yeah, that's, uh, Jackie, that brings up a question I hadn't thought of as, have you consistently, and Michael, both of you, had a consistent strategy of like every time you get on stage of uh, like an example is having a goal of this is what I want to achieve on this set and it only matters for me or I'm Jackie, what you were saying, I'm going to focus in on the people right in front of me, not on everything else. Uh, do you have any other strategies or things that you started to develop early in your career and how, what helped you to develop that, those strategies? Well, as far as me, I try to do a new joke every set because I, re I read a lot of books and there was one book that said, if you don't challenge yourself, like if you do the same set and you know, it crushes, which a lot of comics get caught into, you could, there's a couple of comics. We both know that you see them 10 years ago, they're doing the same set they've been doing for 10 years because they're afraid of failing and they're afraid of no laughter. My thing is I've gotten past that. Like I think me and Jackie, when we hit the stage, we know we can be funny if we want to be funny. The challenge now is, can we take something we just thought of that day, that week, uh, that last couple of weeks, put it on stage and make that funny, surrounded by stuff? We know that's funny. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a freaking stage hog. Like, I'm going up, starting tonight, I'm going up 34 days in a row. I'm doing 69 shows <laughs> in a row because I'm shooting a special in November, but I got to try out everything in. I'm at the cellar in Las Vegas. Jackie's at the cellar in New York. But the thing is, is you have to get the crowd on your side with, with some material, you know, that works, but once you get them, once they trust you, that's when I work in a lot of new stuff. And that's where the growing really happens because I know the Blasian stuff works. I know my getting old stuff works, but me talking about COVID, uh, having people laugh at you almost died. And it's a 10 minute joke. <laughs> You know, that that's fun to me, me, you know, talking about my mom, making fun of me dying almost, you know, like that's my mom, like that, that kind of stuff is how do you make a crowd love you, but also laugh at you at your worst moment. And that's what I'm working out right now. And it's, and it's been going so well. And that's exciting for me to see, like, I got 30 minutes of new material and I'll start with two minutes of old material to get them on my side. And then I launch into all the new material. Did you have, uh, Michael, did you, you said getting the audience to laugh at you at your worst moment. Do you remember the first time you did that? The first time you had being very vulnerable and sharing something that really affected you at first in a very negative way? And, and if you Yeah, do, my, mom, uh, my mom beat breast cancer twice. And I talked about a story. Now she beat it three times. So that's an update. Like it's a, it's a thing where I talked about how my dad is such a uplifting character in my life. And when I got to the hospital... Uh, my dad was like, do you want to hear the good news or the great news? And I said, I want to hear 
the good news. He goes, well, your mom's going to be breast cancer. I go, what are you talking about? That's great news. He goes, no, the great news is your mama's getting new boobies. So that was, <laughs> that was that, but that story was close to me in a way that I needed to find it, make it funny. And my dad actually really said that. And then that made me laugh. So he's that guy that's always in the worst situation, making people laugh. And I kind of took that from him with my COVID and recovering and everything like that. Uh, I brought it into my special, but also I believe too, a main thing is, is when you're a young comet and I'm just going on 10 years, but when you're a young comet, you chase laughs. If you don't feel you're getting a laugh, it freaks you out at the beginning. I'm at the point now where I listened to a Dave Chappelle interview where he said, if they're laughing, great. But you know what's even better than that? When they're interested and they're leaning in to what you're saying. So that's where I am. Now, I, I, I'm not afraid of the side. I love the silence because I know they're listening. And once you get to that punchline, it makes it even better. Uh, that's it. It's incredible. Jackie, uh, you, uh, one thing I love about you as well as Michael is that you talk about yourself. Uh, did you have a, an original like vulnerable moment on stage, Jackie, that you talked about and has have created into uh, a part of your uh, set? I, <clears throat> I would say probably, probably now five, about five years ago when I learned, when I figured out who my fan base was, like who, who were the ones who after every show are the ones who want to find me and talk to me and just compliment me or critique me is who wants to have a piece when it's over. When I realized that it was women in flocks, like it was like, it'd be like, there'd be a, a, a line of women waiting just to say hi. And I'm not selling nothing. They're just, so I find that when a woman gets on stage and talks to women about being a woman, it's almost impossible not to get them on your side. And I learned that about five years ago at the Comedy Magic Club because that was that is is my home club in New York. And they would give me all the stage time. And then when they started getting charity events, you know, female events, female parties, bachelorette, they would always have me because they're like Jackie. It's, it's all women. And they know that would make me lactate. Yeah. <laughs> the security guys couldn't wait for me to walk up like Jackie. It's all women in there because they knew the whole show is going to have a different feel if it's a bunch of women and a cackling female court jester leading the way. <laughs> but when I figured out how to talk to the women in the audiences, I realized that once I get the women, I got the room. And that made me, in my opinion, that made me a better comic. It made me dangerous because I figured out what my weapon was. And then when you figured out, when you keep your, stay in your own lane and figure out what your expertise is, you don't care if Chappelle goes up before you or after uh -huh. you, or you don't care if everyone on the lineup is a murderer. You don't care if the audience is are tourists. Once you figure out what makes you work, it's really hard to not be confident and not worry about a TV set show, you know, a TV show set or a contest or anything because you you figure out what you can do. And I think a lot of comics spend so much time watching so many specials and sharing oh. and worshiping. And I'm the same way. I had to learn to stop being a super fan and start being like, Hey, we're on the same show. You can stop, you know, <laughs> you can stop jocking him. He's after you, you know, you're, yeah. <laughs> your peers. So once you, when I, when I stopped being a super fan and started realizing Jackie, you, you know what you're doing. Then the job got way easier. Everything around the job is stressful. It's all the bureaucracy in the Hollywood. That's what's stressful. The performing part after a while, when you figure out what you can do, it becomes actually very easy. You know, you know, it's jumping on what Jackie said. What 
what I love about stand-up, it's the great equalizer. You know, once you hit that stage, it doesn't matter what casting director likes you. It doesn't matter what movie producer likes you. It doesn't matter if you lost four jobs that day in casting. You have 400 people or 250 people say, nah, you something. And that gives a lot of boost to a person, especially in Hollywood, when you're getting so many goddamn notes. You know what I mean? So <laughs> many comedians probably during the day, Michael, have had all these phone calls and emails. This show been canceled. Yeah. But, they, but they still have a set of the last factory that night. Like, That's I right. Like, I and because, because you know what? Why? It's because you get that yes that night. You get that yes. And like Jackie said, it doesn't matter. That stage doesn't matter if Dave Chappelle goes on before you or after you. If you funny, that stage lets you be funny. And the crowd, they will get caught up in the celebrity about two minutes. But if you ain't funny, <laughs> they be like, ah. Like I've seen, I've seen celebrities crash and burn. I've been called to save a celebrity in San Diego. I had to drive an hour and a half because people were walking out their show. And I, I came and did 45 minutes when he was headlining or she. Or <laughs> <laughs> they. So, so my thing is the stage is the equalizer, man. And that's what I think Jackie loves. And the first time you go after that big comic and you crush after him, oh man, you like, you're like, I don't care who I go, because you know your lane, which is the same as saying you know your voice now. Yeah. You know? Even, even if you go up after a celebrity and you don't crush, I look at it this way. I'm good enough that I'm even on this show. Like, even if I go back to somebody who's a master and my set does, does not follow well, I'm still like, well, I'm good enough to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's another thing that's even way more important than if, do I kill also? No, but they knew you could go up after him. They they had they trusted that whatever you did will be okay enough to go up after so-and-so. That's a big yeah. deal that you invited to the party. Yeah, and, and I, I my first, I went after Seinfeld three times at Gotham in his home club. And... <laughs> At my show, at my show, he uh -huh. popped in and it was the most, I think it was two or three nights. And, uh, you know, the manager comes in and says, hey, do you mind if he goes on before you? I'm like, no, go ahead. Do you want him to go up before the host? No, 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 no. Put him right before, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Because as a comic, for me, I want to know how good I am. And this answer, you going after one of the best comics in the world, Seinfeld, and I probably had my two or three greatest sets at that time because I found out a way after a trial and error how to go after a guy that crushes like that how to go after a guy that has a standing ovation is very simple give them their props yeah. and have a joke right after you salute them after you honor them you got a lot of comics go up there after somebody just destroys and that's a big name and they try to ride the wave no, you're not Seinfeld. You can't ride Seinfeld's way. <laughs> you know, that wave has crashed and burned as soon as he walks up. But if you acknowledge what everybody, what I do is I acknowledge exactly what everybody sees. I make myself an audience member, you know, and acknowledge it, but then have my quick joke out the bat, and then you reset the room and you're gone. You know, a good example of that is at the cellar, John Mulaney was preparing for his Saturday Night Live <clears throat> hosting performance. And his monologue, and he went up. Before, they, they were like, "John going up before you." I'm like, "I saw him. I figured he was." <laughs> and then, and then, and I'm like, "I was next." I'm like, "Is John here?" I'm not next, am I? They're like, "No." And then they put him up, 
and he annihilated because he's working on his his SNL stuff, yeah. stuff. And I went on stage, and they were, and when I went on after him, the first thing I said was, "He's so cute." And then that <laughs> room was, it was over. and then I yeah. could go on to my set after that. <laughs> it's it's all about it's all about like uh, for all the young comics, listen, it's all about resetting the room yeah. your way. But just acknowledge what you just saw. Yeah. Because you're not going to follow it. <laughs> you're not going to like get on the John Mulaney train because your comedy's not that style. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. It's almost uh, like don't get wrapped up in I'm going to do better than this. That's And then it's a mind game within yourself because then if you don't hear the laugh that you're expecting, I'm going to ride this, then you, you're you going to crush yourself on stage. Well, it's also, interesting. Also, have to ignore it. Also, yeah, you just when I realized another level of uh, with this job, you have to promote yourself. Like no uh-huh. one's going to come and be like, you are now a feature. You are now a headliner. There's no one that comes into an office and gives you a new job. You have to feel within yourself. Okay. Now I'm ready to go longer sets. And I, um, God, I forgot what I was going to say. It was going to be good too, Pat. Oh, <laughs> you were saying you're no longer oh, yes. a feature. Okay. Yeah, I knew you. I knew I was getting to another level when I could ignore the comics watching me in the back of the room. Like yeah. when you're headlining, the world is yours. You're on the market. Your pictures everywhere. Everyone's on you because you're the star. But when you do these shows at these top clubs and everyone on the show is a really veteran, veteran headliner, I remember when I was getting another seller. I remember when I went down to start my set, several comics came downstairs and stood in the back in the dark. I love it. To watch me, because they're like, "Who the hell is this?" You know what I mean. And I saw them, in, and I could see their outfit. I could see their hat. And then I'm like, "You gotta ignore David Tell, Jackie. You can't think about David Tell watching you. You'll crash and burn." But when I've been able to to x out the, the the superstar comics in the back and be like, "You just have to do you," because you're the star right now. Forget that someone's waiting to go up, and Tracy Morgan's gonna go up. It's you're the right now. You're the biggest star in the room. Yeah, because you're on that stage. Yeah, once you can ignore all the eyes that you think care, well, they don't give a damn. They don't. They're not thinking about me at all. You know, thinking about themselves. You know what's funny is a lot of those comics in the back, and you think they watch it. They ain't even watching you. They like uh, they, they could care less. They yeah. could care less. <laughs> it's, and they, uh, all they listen for is laughter. Yeah, they don't care what you're saying. <laughs> they just know that the room was loud when you're done. Therefore, all right, I guess you you know what you're doing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> It's almost like, uh, Jake, it circles back to like a great thing of focusing on yourself, right? Of just focus on what you came to do. And like, no matter what stage you are in your career in comedy, focus on what you're doing and it's your lane. Don't get distracted by uh, by the other things and just, just find yourself. And which is a hard thing to do for a lot of people, especially because comedy will quickly check us down if we veer off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then so if you just focus. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's that's when you really start to find your path, uh, which lead to all the great opportunities, like the opportunities of being on huge shows and having huge audiences and, and gathering a following and identifying uh, what your strengths are and, and who you play well with. Uh, and so, we, boy, this is this. The time is flying here. We have about five minutes here. Uh, so I want to circle. I want to wrap this up with two things. Uh, first one is how did uh, AGT change your path uh, and what opportunities arose? And then always, as always, just anything you guys want to plug uh, before we end out. So, uh, Michael, how, how did AGT change change things in your life? 
Well, it got me in front of a lot bigger audience. Like I said, I wish I would have listened to the producers, but even me exiting the show around before Jackie, if you get eyes on you. And the, here's the thing. I believe Jackie or Preacher Lawson told me that those clips live forever. Like literally you're getting new fans. Like AGT is going to start up again June 1st. So everybody's going to look up old clips from AGT. Your clips will be relevant and popping up again. So for the rest of your career, that clip will keep recirculating and you will be attached to AGT. And when people see that logo uh, on your poster, on your banner, you come into town and you were on AGT. Never, look, at my shows, I was shocked how many people come from AGT. And I was just on two rounds. You know, but they, but AGT did a great job with my story and it made people invested in me as a person and a comic. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's like, like I said, it's probably changed Jackie's life more than mine because she went further, but it has got a lot more people coming out. And it's one of the best credits you could ever have in your life. And you got in front of Simon Cow. I mean, that's enough said. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I didn't know, you know what we forget because we are, even though we're not millennial ages, all of us here, we're still technologically adept. So we know what the world is like. And we forget that everyone watches television now. Like they, they, they're like at Tuesday at eight on channel four. <laughs> watch, And I have not done that since, you know, since ER was on. So you forget that everyone around the world watches appointment television so when I have my hair in braids, you when I did the show, I had very long, colorful braids up in a bun, whatever. So I realized that when I first got off the show, and this is my ego, I'm not, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna admit it. I wore America's Got Talent black hoodie on a road gig, and I'm like, this is that was the worst thing I've ever done because I wasn't mobbed, but I when I tell you, I was not left alone, and I'm like, uh-huh. I wanted to be recognized, but I'm like, I forgot people are fanatic. Picks oh, yeah. about AGT. I travel. They, I, I would have people bring me pictures of me on stage laminated because they wanted me to sign it. You really do forget that people actually feel like you are helping them get over something, get distracted, change, smile. I remember when AGT Netflix in the UK came out and the whole competition started all over again on in, on Netflix. I got a whole new barrage of messages. Uh-huh. About why in the hell ain't you been over to the UK? And I'm like, I'm, I was trying to get my career off the ground. Why? That's, that's, that's why I got on the show. They kept asking me, like, why are you here? What do you hope to do? I'm like, work. I just want to work. <laughs> I kept I saying work. work. And they're like, you, they're like fame, all that stuff. If I get famous and become wealthy, that's because I'm working. Whatever the hell happened as a result of me always being busy working, I'm, I welcome it. I don't look for it because we all know once you get on TV, fame, if you're good, you can, you know, ride it out to make your life a whole look a whole different way. But I just wanted to work because I spent a lot of years. I was I was a headliner long before like the world knew I was. But I was a headliner that had to really harass club owners, email them, bug them a lot, get a referral from comedians that were bigger than me and better than me and more popular than me. And I, I worked for a really long time featuring, but I, nobody would have me come back. Because I, I perform like I want a headline. So I wouldn't make I wouldn't make myself smaller to, you know, open for anyone. Because I guess I always had a hunger to do this and be the star of the show. And AGT made it so that I could work enough now that 
people are going to assume Jackie is the headliner. She's not opening for anyone. She's not the host, which is nothing wrong with that. But I spent over a decade doing that. At some point, you have to be like, I'm the show. And AGT helped me feel confident enough to be like, they're coming to see me. I'm a headliner. And you shouldn't have to be on a TV show that huge to be able to go to the next level and say it with confidence, but it don't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, uh, Jackie and Michael, uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for doing this today. This was uh, a lot of fun and uh, you shared a lot of incredible information. And uh, also just from me, it's been so great to, uh, to be working with the two of you over the past year. Uh, I can say I've learned a lot from both of you. Uh, It's, uh, it's like this past year of all the virtual shows we've done together. I feel like I've been attending an online university, except I'm getting paid to do it uh, on comedy. And, uh, and I've learned a lot from both of you, Uh, Michael, uh, your storytelling is incredible. I love uh, watching you tell stories, Uh, Jackie, your ability to just read the room and the audience and like uh, shift course mid set and make it look like it's all planned out is something that is absolutely incredible to me. It's the vodka. It's the vodka. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always loaded before we start our shows together. <laughs> well, well, you're a functioning alcoholic, so yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so is there anything you two like to plug before we uh, end this recording today? Uh, my only thing is my Instagram at Michael Yo, and then that kind of bleeds into everything else. I got a podcast called Morning Yo, uh, so check that out. And coming soon, Morning Yo is going to be live from the cellar. So all the comedians are going to be popping by when they're in Las Vegas, and uh, all the big ones, all the small ones. I just this, you know what's interesting is this is the first time I've actually hung out with comics at the cellar. Really? Uh, isn't so, it, isn't because, it fun? Aren't you having a wonderful It's fun. Time? And I'm hearing so many great stories. And I was like, I called up SD and Liz and I was like, yo, you got to let me one time a week when these comics are here. Let me, let me get them on. Because I'm hearing so much about, because I never had the hang. You know, I... I, I oh, that's all I've had. I've barely had I know. special moments. All I've so had I can't wait had. to... I can't wait till you come down, but like, you know, like, uh, Mark, the host, yeah. he's been at the cellar since it started and to hear these stories. Like, I want to get those out. I want to learn, like, I want to learn with the audience, you know? Okay. With, so I, yeah, we're going to start it soon. So I'm excited about that. You could be like, you could be like the Kevin Hart podcast, uh, in Vegas. You know, he, he talks to comedians on his, his podcast. Yeah. And that's Kevin what I'm going to do. So you could be like that in Nevada. Yeah. hundred percent. Awesome. Oh, incredible. Jackie, what do you want to plug? Well, I'm going to be starting a plus size strip show in Vegas when I get there. <laughs> yeah. What's it yeah. called? What's it called? Uh, it's called a Juicy J's Review. Okay. <laughs> I found that on, on, off the cuff just now. That's scary. Um, just, just go to JackieFabulous.com and I'll lead you to all my social media, my emails, my, my touring schedule. And um, because of Pat, I've been able to work on and get a yes for a lot of things that you guys will see. But I will credit Pat. With one in particular, I'm just waiting to find out. But that's all I can say. But he knows what it is, and his shows where, I, where I've been loaded doing five minute sets <laughs> really help. They help. No, out. I tell you, Pat, thank you so much because you kept us in the game when things there was what? no clubs open. Okay. You kept us in the game, so thank you, Pat. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you guys. It's been, it's such a pleasure. I, I do look forward to eventually meeting you in person and prove that uh, we're, I'm a real person. Uh, but uh, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me that you guys did this today. Uh, and to everyone listening, thank you so much. Uh, next episode, we've got uh, Brian Kiley and Dana Eagle. We're going to talk about the writing process. Uh, like, subscribe. You know what to do. Uh, ofthecomicspodcast.com. We got Of The Comics on Instagram. Uh, Jackie and Michael, thank you so much. This has been a real treat having you on and uh, that's the end of the show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much